listening to Reckon That. I'm Chris. And I'm Ryan. And how do we do Reckon That, pal? Well, we draw a theme from a hat. Uh, and then based on that theme, we each pick a record. We bring it in, listen to them, talk about them, and just generally have a good time. Yeah. Uh, and if people want to be a featured artist and they get a hold of us, how can they contact us? Yeah, you can find us on pretty much any social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Facebook at Record Night. Mm-hmm. We are on Instagram at Record Night Pod. We are on Twitter at Record underscore Night. Or you can just send us an old-fashioned email. Uh, we are recordnightpod at gmail.com. So if you're, you want to be a featured artist and show off your music, you can send it to us. If you have any theme ideas, you can send it to us. Uh, complaints, criticisms. Yeah, we, we, we welcome all that. Cyberbullying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, our featured artist this episode is Peter McDermott. He's a Brooklyn, New York-based and you say New York when I say Brooklyn. You say New- anyway, he's like a indie <laughs> indie folk artist, uh, indie folk alternative artist. He releases a first full LP, The Camera Eye. Um, is I wonder if it's named after the Rush song. Well, uh, I don't think so. But the, we are playing The Camera Eye at the end of the show. It's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty cool earworm of a song. I, I listened to it several times, um, and uh, we really hope you stick around the end of the episode to hear it. Against Peter yeah, McDermott. It's been stuck it's been stuck in my head. Yeah. So you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, you know, wherever you find that sort of thing. Uh but uh it's for fans like the killer Jimmy World, Josh Ritter, George Ezra. And um we hope you guys stick around the end of that and um and take a listen. How you doing, pal? Pretty good. Yeah. Uh how about how about yourself? I'm tired as fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh you came on, I saw you were drinking coffee. Yeah, so uh, got some coffee going. Uh, I, don't, I also have coffee going. But you you are like a coffee drinker, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, it's I'm, also like still technically morning here. Oh, yeah. It's, it's 1 o'clock. You're, yeah, you're <laughs> chugging coffee in the afternoon. Yeah, I, I don't generally drink coffee, uh, especially if I'm like got a full night's sleep because I get super jittery and uncomfortable. But I'm fucking tired of shit, so uh, here I am with the coffee, and it's going to be a fun episode because I never drink coffee on the podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> I have to calm down. You know, for the first time on the phone, I was talking to one of our people we talked to where I work, and um, for the first time ever, they told me to slow down. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's like, or no, to to not slow down, to hurry up. They told me to slow down all the time. But they, all right, talk fast. I'm like, you got it. Super, yeah. <laughs> super simple. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about this episode, man. Uh, we we're doing we're doing guilty pleasures. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm not. I'm not typically. I don't typically feel guilty about a lot of the stuff I like. I used to. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I think you and I are the same way. Like, like guilty pleasures. We don't really believe in guilty pleasures, but I, I have been. I have kept silent about this band that I talked about when people talk about this band. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm still undecided on mine yeah. on whether I like. Like, because I don't think I like like it like it. Yeah, I got. And you. it's also like an embarrassing yeah. like, but it's you know it's something like I listen to on my own and you know laugh and have a good time. But. I'm sort of wondering like, do you have your uh, Spotify to where people can see what you're listening to like at the time? I do, uh-huh. um, and I've been 
you know, when we were taking notes on the episode, mm-hmm. making the sampler, I was like, fuck, people are going to see I'm listening to this. And they're going to be like, why is he listening to this so much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have like, uh, for some reason, they think I love new metal down at uh, Spotify. So I got static, static X showing me as a recommendation on my, um, on my, uh, like, oh God. I, I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's the nature of, uh, of us doing. Yeah. They, they do have an option to put it on, uh, private, which I haven't done for this band, but you know, and I'm listening to like brutal death metal or something like that. I don't want my friends to go on there and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, you get cannibal early cannibal corpse yeah. song track titles. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want my dad to know I'm listening to that. I don't want my friends to know to rape death zombie or something, but um, yeah, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Fucking just coffee. Uh, I'm going to go first. Sound good to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so what my, is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure is actually, it's My Chemical Romance, uh, the record from 2004, uh, June 8, 2004, the day before my birthday was released, uh, called Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Um, if you're a person who grew up in the early 2000s, you know, uh, then you know this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my Chemical Romance, uh, I guess you'd call them uh, pop or pop punk or emo. Um, yeah, I think they, I think they fall firmly into that emo category so i never listened to uh, i wasn't a big fan of mcr before i'm gonna call him mcr because that's how i know him. um i wasn't a, i didn't really listen to their first i'll record. probably call him my kim my kim oh yeah people call him that too right my kim yeah yeah right, well uh <laughs> i didn't listen to the first record uh, bullets for my valentine or whatever because I, I wasn't aware of him but i had a buddy who bought this record like the day after it came out and he goes to my house and this is how old it is i loaded it on my ipod after I, after he brought it over, I, and this is before iTunes was a real big thing, so I had to load it onto like a like a music player, like Much Music or whatever. What was it called? Do you remember those old apps that would play it? Uh, I mean, I know Windows Media Player. I had to load I know it, Winamp. I had to, Winamp. I had to load it on Winamp and then load on my iPod that way before iTunes was a thing. Like so. Oh my god, that's how old it is. And um, I listened to it, and uh, my whole friend group, we were all playing really into it until somehow uh, we saw their video on MTV. And all my friends just stopped liking him <laughs> um, after that. And um, and so uh, after, I mean, I still jammed the fuck out of this record. Uh, I, but we'll, we'll get into that after I play the, um, the record. But just so you guys know, I haven't listened to anything before after this record. I just know, like, the singles they released. Just uh, this one? <laughs> yeah, just this one. I know this one by heart. But um, this is My Chemical Romance's Three Chairs Street Revenge. Of course, you can find it on Spotify and all streaming maybe. Major platforms, I'm sure there's somebody that will love this, but here we go. Around, they say, Come with your arms raised high. Well, the- now the second floor, I'm not okay. I'm not 
on SMCR as a uh, three shoot street wrench. Uh, so I listened. I've listened to this record a million times, but the fact last time I was listening to it, I got really into like a real vulnerable and painful place in my mind because uh, I had, uh, you know, I was uh, at this time when the trick came, I was transitioning from you know moving out of my house to an apartment. I was super fucking poor, and I remember sitting in the parking lot of a gas station. Singing along to this record, just a parking spot by myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but um, if you listened to this record before today, uh, have I? Yeah, no. This so uh, I never. I think I had heard maybe like the first half of Helena. Yeah, because I was into the Misfits around the time that My Chemical Romance were oh, getting yeah, big. Misfits that have they have ones. a they have a song of the same name, and I was like, oh, this band covered it, and then I listened <laughs> to it. I'm like, oh, this isn't the same song. <laughs> I think I like watched half the video. Yeah. Um. So I never got into them. I think I really I like super missed the boat on this. Yeah. Uh, where I feel like I had already kind of transitioned out of my, I more kind of like angstier phase when this band was big um so i kind of like missed it i i'd spent all my emotional energy on like lincoln park or something like that (laughs) so and then during this time was when i was getting into like you know fucking weird music and just you know i i missed the boat on it um and then I, i was the thing that really surprised me though is i've had this image in my head of what my chemical romance sounds like mm -hmm. And this sounds exactly what I thought they would sound like <laughs> as like, is like just having no idea. I guess I assumed maybe it happens later on that they sounded, they moved a little closer to kind of like a panic at the disco sound. Yeah. This is, this is the record where I, I begin and end with my chemical romance. Like, um, I gotcha. Yeah. I didn't listen to black parade. A lot of people like that record. A lot of people like the record after that, but I stuck with this one. And by the time the black parade came out, the next one, I had moved on. <laughs> to mm-hmm. to the, from that type of music, but um, no man, I'm still pissed off, and this this captures seventeen year old Chris's angsty brain, um, right? <laughs> uh, you know, skinny, uh, wanting like just fucking. So <laughs> a lot of people uh have this idea of what my chemical romance fans look like then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they just look like you and I are. You know, is anyone else? But at the time, these people that that wore socks on their, you know, the Avril Lavigne socks on their bracelet, you know, big black dark eyeliner, jet black dyed hair, and uh, angular haircuts, right? And um, right, tight shirts, and people always they call these people emos, which is such a weird term for it. Um, uh, but uh, I wasn't like that. I did dye my hair black. We'll talk about that later. But um, <laughs> but I did that before this record. Um, one of the things I think that makes this record quintessentially out of the what, why I singled it out is because uh, there are a bunch of bands at you know Hawthorne Heights Thursday Thrice or the, that sort of same ilk but I think that this band stands out in the fact of they're so recognizable like mm-hmm. like this you hear the voice and that oh that's that's my chemical romance right uh, I, don't, I don't know if you get that uh, I don't know I mean having not heard them before <laughs> So if, <laughs> let's say you were just like you were listening to a radio station and you didn't have like the say who it is. Would you guess is this my chemical romance or some shit? Would you say that? Probably. I think I could. I could. I could easily pick out that it's like 
a, a emo album from that era. Yeah, yeah, it's very without without even being like just through like cultural osmosis, I know what this sounds like. <laughs> okay, um, but I I don't know if I'd be able to be like, yeah, that's totally my Chemical Romance. But um, somebody I, I was telling somebody I was listening to My Chemical Romance, and I was like, wow, this sounds exactly like I thought. They also, having never listened to My Chemical Romance, were like, oh, what does it sound like? Thirty Seconds to Mars. So I listened to it and I was like, oh, it actually doesn't. Like, no, it sounds it sounds different. My 30 seconds to Mars kind of sounds like uh, emo butt rock. Yeah, yeah. We'll, t- we'll talk about butt rock later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, I guess... uh, but yeah, I think I think overall with this album, um, and before we get into the track by track, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I still feel like it is not for me. Yeah, sure. Like, this is not my kind of thing. But I think now being out of high school, yeah. and you, you know how like mm-hmm. kind of divisive you feel like trying to find <laughs> your own individuality and people who aren't exactly like you. You're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. like, I wasn't like a bully or anything like that. But, you know, I did kind of look down on people who were listening to it or dressing a certain way. And it's kind of like, I don't I don't know. I don't think you should feel bad about it. Uh, like I there's definitely stuff here for uh for people. I think it's got some good lines and uh, some really, uh, some really interesting ideas. I think one thing, like I always kind of felt like I never knew what was going on, (laughs) which kind of bugged me a little bit. Like I was listening to the songs, but you know how we do it. We're looking up the lyrics and it'll be like on genius or something. And on genius is like, Oh, it's a concept album. that follows a story. Very, 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 I wouldn't be able to put it. I wouldn't be able to put it together if I, Hadn't read the lyrics at all, like, or even if had. Well, even then, I was I was reading the lyrics, and I was like, "There's a story here." Yeah, like I I don't think I get that. And then there's an interview. They'll have like interview sections. It's like in an interview, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's part of a story, but also (laughs) it's about me driving with the guitar player." Yeah, you're like, like, "Okay, how (laughs) how is this any of those things you said this is about?" Yeah, so so uh, I I always felt like I was like in the dark on a lot of this stuff on I could, just like I have no fucking idea what's happening I in this could song. parse out lines here and there that were about the concept I but again they say it's still a concept so it's very loose and at no point did they because the story about this record is supposed to be that it's about this guy his girlfriend his lover or whoever she is and him die and he wants to be with her again so he makes a deal with the devil to kill a thousand evil souls and in reward to be with his Beloved uh, lover, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we'll get into what actually happens, I guess, later on, track by track. Um, but do you want to just start it up? Let's let's get with the yeah. I think so. Those are kind of those are all the like broad thoughts I had about it. Yeah, we'll talk like, more I about think it. <laughs> I think this was a good way to uh, both experience my chemical romance and work through, I guess, like whatever feelings I had about them. <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah, like because they were probably just a very small, 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 like uh, microscopic. Even uh, you had to look at it like what's a scanning, scanning, whatever. I'm not gonna talk. Um, so <laughs> yeah, coffee. It's just kind of like all of my experience with my Chemical Romance was all in like high school. Yeah, and then they, I think they broke up right around the time I graduated. Or yeah. not broke up, but released Danger Days. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, um, a, I'm a little bit older than you, so uh, like by like four years. Were you 31, 30, 30? 31. 31, I'm 35, just turned it. So, yeah, I'm not that four years. So, but in high school, you know, that's a big deal. 
<laughs> you know, like like the four year age gap. Um, it's like, yeah. Anyway, <sighs> yeah. And then uh, didn't really hear about them again until they got back together to do their tour. And then I was seeing people get excited about it. And then I, you know, you still have those like, you know, feelings bubbling up from your formative years yeah. of just like, oh, cool, shitty bands getting back together. <laughs> you know, my my inner snob bubbling up, and then. I don't know. I think it, I think it was good to like sit down and listen to it. And it's like, I don't know why I, I was being such a dick about it. I think it's just like holdover feelings that it's like this band. I know fucking nothing about that. I'm just like, Bleh. so I'm going to be a poopy butthole about it again. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's a guilty pleasure. Cause it wasn't cool. Like this band, uh, when mm-hmm. I, when I still liked them, not at all, not cool. Like it was not cool. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know, only my girlfriend at the time, cause I have, this is tied to some, you know, the, the time when that shit's super important when you're in, not near as important as it is now, you know, like, whatever. Anyway, uh, my cool crime, it's Alina. First track off the record. Starts out kind of soft with a little uh, palm-muted chorus. Yeah, and like some, like, whispered yeah. singing. And then uh, it gets into it uh, with, with you know, the fast guitars and all that shit. Um, yeah, it was... It was, uh, and this is kind of a lot across a lot of the songs. It was a lot more rocky and pop punky than I was expecting. I think, like I said, is I was expecting it to be a little bit more subdued, uh, theatrical, yeah, a little yeah. more uh, like I think like Panic at the Disco y, which again, the only thing I know about Panic at the Disco is like later on stuff or just, you know, kind of like theater kids singing emo, emo songs. I think this is different than that in a good way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah the, the, this, because. I would be hard pressed to say this song doesn't rock. Like a lot of songs mm-hmm. on this record rock. There's sounds of chaos. Not in this song, but like we'll get to that. Um but Alina, what we got is basically about uh the someone dying, which is a lot of songs are about someone dying, but um this one uh is a according to Genius says it's about um Gerard and Mikey Way's late grandmother. Like right. named Hel- uh named Helen. And then, but uh, Helen, well, people called her Helen, but her real name was like Elena. And so they like mushed it together. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how their family thought about that. Whatever. It's not a bad, it's not a bad song at all uh, to me. Um, it's catchy. Like that, 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 I think that was the issue with a lot of people is that my chemical romance were shitty because they have catchy lyrics, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they have your hooks, you know? And yeah. And I've, I've grown out of that opinion too, where it's like, uh, mass market. I can't have a song stuck in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not art, bro. So if you like pop or pop or rock, this is like basically the fucking poopy platter for you. Like this is, this has everything you want out of it. Um, Oh yeah. And it's a little, I mean, it's, I'm sure there are some people out there that call them heavy, you know? It's not what I do. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Yeah. It's like this is, I bet this was a lot of people's first exposure to like the like punk thing. Yeah. Like even if you like, I surely they knew like Green Day or something like yeah. that as well. But it's like, there's definitely more like yelling and screaming and more energy. Yeah, more energy. No one, in this. no one quite sounds like Jared Way at all. Mm-mm. There's no one out there to this day that sounds like him because he, 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 was not afraid to do that weird shit. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. 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 yeah so. well, they do a really cool thing in here where they like put like almost like a tremolo effect over his voice when he's doing like the bridge, the singing yeah. during the bridge. It, it sounds really cool. Um, yeah. yeah. But then with, with this song and the lyrics and stuff, you get this idea of 
uh, which shows up throughout the album mm. of this like self hate or angry mm-hmm. at himself for you know not having the the relationship with the person that he wanted, which also colors like, the colors their fans. A lot of the fans give these tortured people, you know, that they're yeah they're melodramatic. Which hey, this is all about melodrama. This this whole thing is all about melodrama. People. Quote, quote misfits fell in love with this band because mm-hmm. they felt like they spoke to them, you know. And so, well, hey, yeah, I, that's nice to have that 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 kindredness to a band that's you know whatever. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really show up too much in in music. Still, yeah, there's a lot of like, uh, which we'll see when we get to my band. People thinking they're you know just the hottest shit. <laughs> yeah, um, wasn't it the Give Him Hell Kid, which is a fast paced like punk song, you know? Yeah, again, yeah. more more rock than I expected. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, they have this cool little uh, uh, like voice effect in the verse, you know, where he's like, um, where he sounds like he's uh, coming through like a speaker, like a speaker, and you get into the chorus. Yeah, and I think they I think they put like distortion on his vocals or yeah. something, which is one of my favorite, just like techniques for making something sound uh cool or more more aggressive is you just slap some distortion on it it it, I don't, it sounds really cool i just like the way it sounds more it, bands it, should do it what it, effects on your vocals yeah it talks about you know after dream which is now illegal wasn't quite illegal when they um released this record <laughs> after dream <laughs> uh, but yeah this song if you were to i guess look at this as the concept I guess it would kind of be there because he talks about, you know, going all these places and selling up scores and shit like that. Something that no person would ever do if they're just singing about something. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, but it's a, it's a killer song. It's, it's fast paced. It's, it's like a, just a strip good punk song, you know, it, mm-hmm. it fit in the, the, you know, the, the deep tracks of a, any punk record. And you'd be like, yeah, that's a cool song. Why don't they ever call my favorite? Yeah. Right. It's there to keep the momentum going though. Yeah. Um we can move on to to the end though. Yeah, uh which I this was kind of the moment on it um at least like looking through, you know, the song meeting yeah. uh, genius stuff where I was like there's a story. Yeah, yeah right? Right? Yeah, and I guess it is I guess it is loose. I I feel like I saw a comment somewhere that somebody was like, "Well, in the comic." And I was like, "Do I need to read a comic?" Which typically, if there's something like that that exists, I do think that's that's a really cool thing. But I wish I had yeah, if you, known have you, about it. Have you read A Rose for Only? No. Really, I have actually. Um, I read in school when we were talking about William Faulkner, and it's a, it's a very Mike him like type of story. If you read it, it's dark. Yeah. it's fucked up. It's um, and you, yeah. <laughs> I, I I really like the line in this. Uh, he calls the mansion not a house but a tomb. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's cool. I do no, I do like William Faulkner, so maybe yeah. maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, um, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out that story, man. Um, but um, this of course has like things: heart you break, cyanide you drink, which I, I actually included in, in the thing because why not? Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a cool song. I don't really know much to say about it. There's a guitar solo. There's a bunch of oh woes. There's um, there's modulation. You know, uh, <laughs> that's the best way. It's, to I mean, just overall a well constructed song. Yeah, like, and the thing is about these songs, 
is that they all follow a very interesting, very most time follow a very pop structure, you know, like so yeah, so they can go on the radio right like that, you know, it's it's not an issue. Showed up on alt rock radio station and it's packaged for them already, <laughs> which is a kind of an issue, but you know whatever. But we can move on to, uh, you know what they do? The guys like us in prison, which yeah, which is the first song I ba- I basically noticed when I bought this record. You know, it starts yeah, out with the- this one. This song was actually a little closer to what I had like fully expected them to sound like. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> um, but this one, like, kind of as it went on, I felt like I liked. It was like every couple of tracks, it would get to a song, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it's like my, my favorite would shift around, but this is my favorite so far yeah. on here. Um, the, I guess they got like a guest vocalist. Bert McCracken they like, used. They yeah, used which I, I did not like his vocals. Yeah. They were, they were sort of just there and he did a, like a little laugh at the end, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but the, the song itself is about going to prison and, fu- and sort of questioning your sexuality in prison. And then, mm-hmm. And then again, it's back and forth. It's it's supposed to be from the eyes of the guy who's out to kill this folk, to kill this people, thousand evil souls. And he, right, yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it's. I mean, I guess prison's a, a place to start. Yeah, uh, yeah, but you know, he um, it's it's a it's a weird song, <laughs> but it's <laughs> but again, it follows that structure where you can be like, okay, yeah, I know, I know this one. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's it's okay song. I, it's it, at first it's the one I first noticed, but what definitely was my favorite. Um, it's still oh, yeah. my favorite. So, do you prefer the more I guess like rocky punky songs? I do, and I'll tell you what my favorite song is when we get there. But um, cool. Yeah, I think as I was going through, I ended up kind of preferring the songs that were, uh, I guess like a little more theatrical, like stepping outside of their yeah. Mm-hmm. It seemed like stepping outside their comfort zone or really kind of expanding the songwriting speaking of comfort zones i'm not okay mm-hmm. i promise um is uh the like the motto yeah. of of the you know yeah it, the the scene at the time yeah and you know everyone's like you know and everyone's like yeah i'm not okay all right so deal with the mom but um <laughs> but uh this song is a pop song it's a fun it's a you can sing along with it everyone can can sort of at times it felt like this, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. what, 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 if you look into it, because it, they reference even Nirvana, this song, you know, uh, from, which uh, is, I didn't pick up on the Nirvana reference, but uh, I did write down in my notes, like this feels like my chemical romances, uh, in bloom. Yeah. And they said, you've seen the words, but don't know what it means. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So what the song really is about is about having the friend that drains you emotionally to the point mm-hmm. where you, where if you have problems, they don't give a fuck because they have problems, you know. Like, exactly, their their problems take precedent over yours because, uh, it it feels like he's like, well, my feelings are they're deeper. Yeah, uh, you know, I've got I've my problems run deeper than you know whatever your current vapid concern is. Yeah, I, you know what I I I, mm, I don't I don't insist, but I, I I know that feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, we've all had that friend that we've had to cut off, or we had to be like chill the fuck out, like, 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 yeah. Um, and like you, everything around you is a problem, and there's there's only one common denominator there, and it's yeah. you. And then I think it's the first time where they say the fuck word. I, again, I say that every episode now, but they say 
uh, I'm not okay while I'm not okay, I'm not oh fucking K, which is oh shit. When I saw them play it live, they changed it to I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm really not okay. And I'm like, well, though, go ahead and just take the venom out of the line. I'm not oh freaking K. <laughs> yeah, I would enjoy that more than really not okay. But um, <laughs> but this song's it's it's catchy. It's got everything you want in a pop song, and it's even got like a, a guitar solo, which is, I mean, it's. I'm sure I could play it, but I'm sure it's deceptively. It sounds easy, but it's not as easy to play. I don't know. but Yeah, I, it works, though, with the song. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. The song- I've definitely, again, more uh, more reasons I probably used to look down on this stuff was like, well, this stuff's not hard to play. And it's like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be. It's like, mm-hmm. does the guitar solo match the song? Yes. Okay, perfect. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, um, let's move on to the... He doesn't need to sit there and do like a, you know, fucking tapping avant-garde jazz solo over there <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, pop-punk yeah, emo song. We don't need the prog rock in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how come there's not, you know, stop-start dynamics with, you know, crazy time signatures? And w- what about the cosmic lyrics, Moonchild, and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How does this connect with the, you know, the cosmology and the Fibonacci sequence? Yeah, we don't need... Yeah, when it comes to records like this, not really... Not really um, Concerned with the math, the mathiness of it. Um, yeah, they're they're concerned with playing a song that sounds good. Yeah, I think every song in this record's for four four, <laughs> most of it. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, I've gotten over like songs needing to not be in four four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they used to be like, I'm not going to listen to songs that people know getting bob their head yeah, on to. I, I think there's this like once you kind of start getting into like weirder, more out there music, there's this tendency to like look down like oh common time uh i'm not common yeah okay i'm a patrician yeah i'm not a plebeian like i don't know it's people get so caught up in like we some sort of feel oh i can i can dance to this this fucking sucks yeah it's just like i don't know i I feel like at this point like if the song is good and i enjoy it i'll probably enjoy it how we become less snobby as we got older you know, like yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, would it be that uh, you think you'd be more set in your ways? But I mean, older, this stuff doesn't really fucking matter anymore as much as it used to. Now it's just it's stuff they have to listen to. Yeah, I think I've just kind of fully embraced like, hey, like you can do your own thing mm-hmm. and I'll do my own thing. Because I don't think my I don't think my music taste has you know calmed down at all. I know that ends up happening to a lot of people where it's like. Oh man, I used to be like extreme metal only, and now I only listen to like Daft Punk or something like that. It's like I don't, I don't think I've gotten there yet. I'm still listening to a bunch of crazy shit, but I'm not like, hey, if this isn't unlistenable, then it's unlistenable to me yeah. anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I, I'm I'm pretty open to almost anything now, uh, and I do mean that. Um, mm-hmm. So we got the Ghost of You. Uh, I guess about again death. <laughs> like that's what I got from it. Yeah, you do. They do kind of touch on a lot of the uh, popular topics of. I don't know. I, I'm trying to do it without coming off as like super snobby and shitty, but like the the hot topic crowd. I've been in that. The people I've been that, in that the store, people, so I know what they have. The people that had the like, copy of Harold Maude on their bookshelf. I've got a copy. <laughs> yeah. I like that movie. But yeah, no, it's similar. Of like you've. It, the album's got like murder and serial killers. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of 
death and coffins, you know, mm-hmm. depression, self-hate, uh, the devil, references to movies that no one your age has seen. Like, <laughs> it, it's got a lot of those things that, like, I feel like kind of go hand-in-hand hand with that, uh, like, that crowd, which, again, none of it, none of it's bad, but it's all here, which I yeah. thought was uh, really interesting. And if you, if you want to tie it to the very, very, very loose story... It's just the narrator, the demolition lover, as they call it, uh, mm-hmm. lamenting the death of his of his loved one, right? Just yeah, which you definitely it. get from it. Yeah. Um, I think there was a line on here I really liked. Uh, was it uh, all the things that you never told me uh, for all the smiles that are ever going to haunt me? Yeah. Like I don't know. I think they he is pretty good with his lyricism and oh, it the, weird, captures... the lyrics in this aren't shitty at all. Like, oh no! No, no. There's nothing like, and you can look into it a bit. Like, there's nothing really ever on face value, except for a few, like, few songs here where they're saying exactly what they mean. And there's nothing to look into. But I mean, for people who really connect with this record, I'm sure it has mm-hmm. a lot of meaning beyond what we could ever say on a podcast. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. And then, I think my big concern coming into it, as far as the lyrics went, was like I was worried it was going to be just like really cheesy, really trite, like high school level, like poetry sounding. Yeah, it's like I was, I was worried that it was going to come into like that, but it's like, oh no, there's actually like good stuff here expressed in a really good way. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it, nothing super over the top. Like, ugh, ugh, what a horrible lyric or anything like that. So what do you think of the Jet Set Life is going to kill you? That one was pretty good, too. That was my next favorite yeah. that came through. That one was... Uh, they added some kind of, like, interest, interesting instrumentation. You've got... It kind of opens, like, an organ sound. You got you got talk, him talking about the Hotel Bell Morte. Which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it puts on an accent for yeah. a second. Yeah, yeah, like you know, when people like people who want to see mozzarella say mozzarella. They'll do that thing, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you had, you had that sort of thing where he's saying you sang it. It's a cool song. It's um it's got things like again, uh, just dark, dark imagery like I uh, said Hotel Bell Muerte, um Killing Jar. Uh but it's it's a catchy song. Again, it has chorus verse, pre chorus, you know, um and an outro. Yeah, and then this one does seem to kind of step out of the pop punk box a little bit too. Yeah, it's a, which it's I like those. But yeah, you get this, you know, idea of you know person struggling with uh, addiction, and this seems like alcohol issues. Yeah, it's it's a cool song, um, and uh, it's it's sort of it's sort of it, if you were to turn over the record, it'd be here after this song. Um, I think they were on vinyl, which I don't have. Again, I had a right. Yeah, just you don't you don't think it'd be. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't know where you place an interlude. Do you place it at the beginning of side two or at the end of side one? Or would you even, you know, like I don't know if you'd even. Uh, I don't know, uh, do where interludes. I really feel like it separates records just in terms of feel. Um, mm-hmm. Or I I don't know how I mean, interludes to me are still kind of like a mystery th- ingredient in a record. I don't really know where to place it. Yeah, well, I feel like okay. We'll say it now. The next track is Interlude. Yeah. <laughs> so we've moved on to the next track, um, which is kind of like a lo-fi sounding like guitar interlude thing. But, you know, it is it is kind of a, there's a little bit of like breathing room between yeah. like the, the rocking and the story and all that. But you get these, you get the sense of 
when you kind of like listen to music as a whole, like how the format that it's released on changes mm-hmm. things. Yeah. So this is post uh, vinyl. Yeah. It, you know, kind of at the height of CD. Yeah. So it's like interludes can go anywhere because you're not flipping it over. Yeah. So it's like it, uh, they're more in there as a, it, I feel like to break up, maybe the monotony give you a little bit of a break so it's not overwhelming. Yeah. Whereas if you're having to flip a record, they don't really do too much with interludes because your interlude is flipping the record over. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this with Jeff Roos on the, that episode, uh, the our last episode, which was great if you guys haven't listened to it. Fucking go ahead. Yeah, it was a, a guest episode. Yeah, it was amazing. So we had a third, third voice on here. <laughs> yeah, it was, man. Like, you know, I've heard him talk before and then to have him talking to me on the podcast, it just... Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> the thank you for the venom is the next song, and it's my second favorite song on the record. I fucking love this song. Yeah, it's it almost has like a metal riff. Yeah, yeah. I I can't tell you my favorite line in this song. Yeah, it's, it's Hallelujah Lock and Load. God damn, <laughs> fuck man. I this is I I was this song. Oh, I love it so much. It makes you feel like a badass when you're singing along with it to you like. Because it, it mentions like being in like a like it has a whole bunch of church allegories, saying sister and um and uh, hallelujah, you know. Uh, oh, man, I liked this one. Uh, oh yeah, this was my next favorite one. Yeah, uh, which that might be the last time I wrote that down. Uh, <laughs> so I think yeah, this one's my favorite one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is? Um, okay. Cool. Although I do feel like. There was a missed opportunity here. They did it a couple of times, but they didn't keep up with the like on and on refrain. Oh yeah, yeah. You think they, they kind of did to... it at the beginning? They changed it. I think during like the second verse mm-hmm. to like one and one and one. Yeah. Um, and then they just kind of they dropped it. They dropped that like little theme, that little refrain, and it's like you guys really could have kept that going because the whole track and because it it's cool. Yeah. And yeah, this... it's cool, and it really kind of like bind. It would have bound the whole thing together because it's like once you do something two or three times and then you stop doing it you're like wait where'd that go and this is a song that definitely has like a chaos in it you can feel mm-hmm. jared kick it up a notch to make his voice do the crazy acrobatics he does in the song like you know like he did uh, this although the record his, his voice is something else and oh yeah it's i actually really like it <laughs> um you know i think that's that's what makes this record so unique is the uh the gremlin that's screaming all over the songs, you know, like <laughs> it's it's awesome. And this and like that where you see Hollywood Lock and Load, I'm like, yes, this is my favorite song on the record at that time. <laughs> Hang 'em high is a song. Yes. <laughs> um it is. Uh named after uh, an older Clint Eastwood movie. hmm And it's a cool song. It's got this sort of like whistling being and then this really chaotic break, which I I that's why I actually recorded to for the put on the um sampler um yeah i like it's got a lot of it's got a, like a cowboy and western sound but mm-hmm. then it also matches it with like the imagery yeah. in the lyrics it's i don't know kind of like a maybe like a road trippy song mm-hmm. or a cowboy thing i don't know i i thought this one was pretty cool six gun uh wild eye jokers um pine well not pine box I, I no did, pine box that's a i mean it's like a coffin yeah. I do like the term. They use the term Black Maria. I was like, that's cool. It's fucking. Yeah. <laughs> in mass convulsions, strike the choir by the grace of God. Fuck yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, 
that's just a cool song. Um, but the next song, it's not a fashion statement, it's a fucking death wish, is the song that apparently, according to the lead singer, is his favorite song. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Another another song title that is a uh, a motto or a, a mantra for the youths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like I, I heard this. I heard this a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone's uh, MySpace <laughs> um, quote was this, uh, or, <laughs> or or you know, you know, there's you know, Facebook or your aim away message could have been this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it's a cool song. Though. This one, I, I liked this one. It had some cool, um, I don't know, they, they were dissonant chords, but they weren't like noisy chords. So you got this kind of cool, cool vibe to the guitar sound where it, like it had a little extra like flavor on it. Yeah. And it's also, it's also very, very theatrical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like he, um, I, I still can't get over like the way he does his voice in this is, it would be embarrassing for anyone else, but it works yeah. <laughs> for anyone else. Like you got to have the confidence and the and the chops to be yeah. able to do it. Yeah, and he, he this gets, is one of those songs though. Like you you sing alone to yourself. Mm-hmm. He says, when you're with your friends and someone tries to pull it off, you're just like, Ugh, no, maybe you don't do that one. He says it's the hardest song that they, they sing live. And uh, oh, I, really? I've, I've seen them. I've seen videos of them live. And um, does he pull it off? Let's say that the album is the best way to hear their music. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm here, I'm like, uh, a lot of unbelievable shit happens. And you're like, wow, he did that. But he can't, you need a laboratory to recreate it, I think, in this aspect. I gotcha, yeah. Yeah. And it's no, no, distract them. I'm sure they're great live, but um, they don't sound like the songs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It happens. I feel like the. In the studio, you get the chance to get the best take. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, change how stuff sounds. Yeah, you can use auto tune, but uh, I want to say I want to say he never sounded like his auto tune live, but he can't pull off those the screaming parts as well because you're because oh, yeah. you've been playing for thirty minutes and you're going to shred your voice otherwise. You know. Yeah. Plus, you're probably you know sixty days into a. 120 day tour and you're, you're probably on the just road. tired like you can't do that every night no nah, man <laughs> uh, you know I, I i used to dream about going on tour and now it uh-huh. just sounds like a fucking nightmare <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like i'd rather just travel and not have to do yeah work. yeah yeah I'd rather than have an obligation every night and i'd like to you know go back to my hotel after eating a, a meal of curry and lay down but um, yeah because <laughs> I've done that plenty of times uh, in Japan. There's this curry place, and it's her place we were staying in in Tokyo. Uh-huh. And it was like kind of like a chain. There were like a three of them around the country. And uh, I, we, on our way back after a long day, we, you know, we try to eat as much as we can because we also walk it off. My feet are killing me. Uh, but we sat down and we had curry like every night at this place. Like every night. We what was it to, called? God, I don't remember. I don't remember, but so I was gonna say if it's cocoa curry, we have one here. Hold on, if it's cocoa curry, I'm gonna lose <laughs> my mind because that does sound familiar. Um, we ate at a curry place. The best curry I've ever had it was called um, it was called Simba. Uh huh. And it it was it was all reggae themed. Like you go in there, if it seat it uh, seats six people, and, okay, and it was just one guy in front of it. And he obviously lived in the restaurant because there's a bed and the TV and a shower in the bathroom. Interesting. Know? It was fucking amazing, um, and I think it might have been cocoa curry. 
Well, sweet. Well, we're going to check out Coco Curry. Oh, you guys got one there? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. All right. Well, yeah. Well, definitely. It's uh, sorry. Sorry, people who have Indian food. Japan has the best curry. 100%. <laughs> no, I, I mean, at least I enjoyed it. And Simba was the best curry I ever had, though. That's just me. That guy who owns it and has two days off a week and closes like five on Sundays or something. Anyway. Um, that sounds nice. Yeah, they give you this uh, metal bowl and a wooden spoon, and you just eat it, and it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's the best meal I've ever one of the best meals I've ever had. Anyway, moving on to Cemetery Drive. <laughs> My second favorite song on the album. Oh yeah, uh, Cemetery Drive. Yeah, I like the it, it's like a little quieter, um, but the chorus is also catchy as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I'm, I'm issue, yeah. It's and you want to say if you want to talk about what it's about, they say it's like a. Like a, it's about the hardest drive him and his brother made and then ever went on. And I'm like, what is talking about? Like, this has yeah, where? Yeah. <laughs> where is it about that? Yeah, it talks about drinking and by a door. Like, so I don't, I'd like to know what the, if they want to get more into it, but I don't see it's, if you look at the, like, what people are writing about it, they're saying they're trying to mash it, shoehorn it into the, the concept, which is very, very loose again. That's the concept. Yeah. And I think that was that was my problem is uh, people were like really like diving into like what these songs are about. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like hearing what they're saying, reading what the lyrics are. And it's like. Where? How is it about that at all? (laughs) What's going to do my favorite song on the record? The very last one. It's a really good ending track, dude. uh, To this day, I get goosebumps listening to it. That last um, minute and a half, which I only feel fit in. Like forty five seconds of it, I wanted to play yeah. this whole song really, but I, you know I can't put it in the sample like that. Um, <laughs> uh, this one is called "I Never Told You What I Do for a Living," and it's the one that doesn't really have a uh, like a. It's like the one with the least conventional song structure in the whole record because mm-hmm. um, it has a, basically an outro that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very uh, it's a very ambitious track, and I like it does all the stuff that you liked from the record. Mm-hmm. It does everything a good ending track should do. Yeah, yeah, and it's got some screaming in it. It's got some uh, wailing in it, and it's got some cool lines like you know, uh, they give you two shots to the back of the head, and you're like, yeah, 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 they do. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and this song, the song is amazing. I love this song. Uh, it, it's a banger. Fuck, fucking when it says differently, this song is a fucking banger. And um, <laughs> and uh, you can say it's not for you, but I I beg to disagree. It's fucking everyone because it's an amazing song. But um, uh, I don't think it's for me. Okay, fair but, enough. <laughs> no, it's I think going into this album and like listening through it is, I I definitely can like appreciate mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff on it, and it's like I I feel like I'm now that I've actually listened to them and all that. It's like I'm not gonna turn my nose up at anybody who who listens to or likes my chemical romance. Cause they are doing interesting things. They're not just people hopping on a, a trend of, uh, you know, the, the emo fashion scene or anything like that. I mean, even being, the record says I wouldn't front the scene if you paid me. He's saying, Hey, we're our own fucking thing. We don't. Exactly. This. And, uh, that's to me, my chemical romance, like mad, mad respect for, for doing this. Like, even if they were, I don't think they, I think they actually believed what they were doing. You know, I think they actually cared, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel like cynical and like a cash grabby 
kind of way. And like, even though they were more or less kind of the face of this hot topic, big money, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this big money making hot topic fashion scene uh, that did have a bunch of, you know, kind of cash grabby bands and tight corporate plants and, and all that stuff. Pants and um, tight shirts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel, it feels like they probably were not, like, I mean, sure, they were probably super happy with making money and stuff, but I don't feel like they ever tried to embody that. They just were that. Yeah. Like, maybe that's how they were marketed or stuff like that, but it's like, I I do not get the sense that they were like, yes, this is this is what we are. Give us money. We will we'll do whatever you want us to do. Yeah, I, I, I do, I'm not saying the producer didn't have a hand in helping them make more palatable music, but I don't think they at one point, did they ever feel like they were giving their own artistic ideas or thoughts? Exactly. And hey, man, some people like pop music, you know? And that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was uh, My Chemical Romance's Three Cheers to Revenge. Uh, you can find it on Spotify. It sure was. And it, hey, man, if you liked any of it, if you had some preconceived notions, uh, you know, you got for a high horse and give it a listen, you might enjoy it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I or, or you might not, and then you know now. Yeah, you know now. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and you can definitely send me emails. Tell me how I'm wrong. I I usually just answer back if I get a bad email. It's just like thanks thanks for the feedback. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> we do take. I mean, we do take stuff into consideration yeah. if you're actually constructive. Yeah, yeah. We and you can say Chris needs to fucking you know speak up or not have a mush mouth. And I don't think we'll have much to say about your voice. Your voice is pretty good most of the time. So. <laughs> Sometimes I'm too close to the mic and I, I blow it out sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? You'll, you'll be able to figure that out when you edit this I get episode. too get way too excited. Oh. <laughs> so what did you bring for today, dude? All right. So unlike yours, <laughs> um, I do think you should feel bad if you like this band. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one... I, I don't know why it like reclicked with me. I really liked it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it definitely doesn't click in the same way. Um, but I went with uh, Limp Biscuits, Significant Other, uh, uh, 1999 album. Man. Um, I think the experience of listening to Limp Biscuit is similar to, at least the way I enjoy it, it's kind of like watching a bad movie. Um, that's kind of really fun to make fun of, but also like putting ketchup on like a really nice steak or maybe even putting ketchup on like some really nice, like sushi or something where it's like, I think the music's really good and interesting, but Fred Durst is so annoying and his lyrics are so bad that like it, if when people like look at this, that's the part that is embarrassing. That's the part that's shitty and bad. And I agree, but it's also fucking hilarious and it's kind of fun like the, the thing about uh biscuit is that lately they've been sort of a reappraisal when it comes to their place in the, the early 2000s landscape of what how significant they were in in that sort of mindset in in a good way and in a bad way but yeah i think they kind of they represent new metal mm-hmm. while also being the worst band in new metal but also again like the most known and forward facing and famous. And, and, and I think I, and I, what if we had not here now, Fred, there's a really nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think 
he I watched something or read something that Fred Durst is really good at like marketing and yeah. selling himself. Mm-hmm. Like that's how Limp Biscuit got big is like Fred Durst would make all these connections with people and then like cash in on it. Or he'd have crazy like marketing ideas. Like he would do a lot of stuff. Like they were they actually started from nothing and built it up. Like they're not, you know, like a corporate uh, studio or a corporation, like bringing people together and just like pushing them to the top is like, they were an underground band for a really long time and then became the fucking biggest thing for three years. And then become the most wine thing for years after that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but real quick, uh, their name went biscuit. What is, yeah. what is the term went biscuit? Go ahead and explain that to the audience who doesn't know what limp biscuit is. See, I don't know if this came before or after it. There's always been this like mythology around like, well, what's a limp biscuit? I think everyone is kind of settled on. It's like a game where a bunch of people like, like a a bunch of people, a bunch of dudes stand (laughs) around a biscuit or a cookie and masturbate onto it. And then the last person to To, to come on it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Has to eat it. Yeah. But it's like, I, I had never heard of that before. Yeah. I only heard of it afterwards, so I'm pretty sure it was made up for it. But it does fit into it because uh, Fred Durst purposefully thought wanted a name that would turn people away. Mm-hmm. So they did have alternative names like Gimp Disco, <laughs> uh, Split Dick Slit. Oh, my God. Uh, Bitch Piglet and Blood Fart. Okay, were, I would. I have all these working I pref- names. Of all these, when biscuit is the one that's the least explicit, and so uh-huh. uh, easier for me to think about as a band than the actual blood fart and bitch piglet and uh, dick slit. Oh my split, god! Split dick slit. Oh my god! Fuck all that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, when biscuit. That's that's the mythology. I don't know if it came before or after because everyone when they came out like you know what biscuit means. Right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure now looking at it, it was probably an after thing where it's like, I don't know if they were trying to like discredit Limp Biscuit, who purposefully picked a bad name. It's like, oh, you know, but, but you know what it means, right? Like, can you believe that they made their name that? And it's like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I can. Have you heard the band? Yeah. Speaking, um, speaking of hearing the band, do you want to get to that, to that sample before we talk more about them? No, one last thing. One last thing. <laughs> um, a p- part of like the reappraising Limp Biscuit yeah. is they recently played. Oh, it was like Lollapalooza. They kind of came back oh, from- and did a thing where I, uh, Fred Durst kind of started embracing the meme <laughs> of him. So it's like he came out dressed like an old dude. Yeah. Um, but he kind of just looked like one of the Beastie Boys in the sabotage video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then. At least for Nookie, gave kind of like a half-ass performance, but then like explained. It, it's really weird. Like you should watch it because okay. it's like he goes out there and kind of like half sings it, but then he's like, "Hey, you know, this is like, you know, this is kind of like our more famous one." But people get it. It's metaphorical. D- don't put things in your rectum. Like uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's it, it's a really weird kind of like he's like embracing that it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's really bizarre, but I I think that might be one of the better performances of it. Okay, I, ha- I have a other thing to say, but it's in reference to this record. So we'll listen to the sample real quick, and yes. we'll, we'll give it more into it. This is Limp Bizkit, Significant Other. You can find that on Spotify, and uh, here we go. You wanted the worst. You got the worst. 
That's the almost an hour long Syndicate <laughs> Oh my god, it is so long. Yeah, I was like, I was like, uh, I, I sat down and listened to it like Thursday night. And I'm like, fuck, it's almost midnight. Like, <laughs> 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 um, but um, so uh, I want to mention Limp Biscuit. This is the record that got them nearly uh, killed, nearly, nearly killed people playing break stuff at all Palooza during this yep. time. Um, and uh, just shut the fuck up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were known for like having like really rowdy shows. And like, I don't know if that was them like hyping the crowd up or just like who their audience was along with them hyping the crowd up. But yeah, like they also caused a riot at Woodstock 99. Have you like, seen that documentary dude on HBO? No, I don't. Did, did I don't have HBO. Oh. I, I want to watch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like a lot of just crazy shit would happen. Uh, at their shows, and I, I don't know, I they maybe were, was like winding up meathead frat boys. They were, they were, they were a mixture of boner rock and um and uh yeah. <laughs> and new metal because the 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 cock rock dudes could be really into this talking about nookie and uh rape culture type thing going on, and then uh, <laughs> and then new metal kids would be like, yeah, they they're angry and angsty, and they probably hate their parents too. So um, <laughs> and again. I'm kind of looking down the people like Limbiscuit. I'm sure there are some really awesome Limbiscuit fans. I just don't know them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's 
you want to do the track by track for significant other? Let's do it. Let's start uh, with, opens with intro. Yeah, uh, it is an intro where they talk about you won the worst, you got the worst. And yeah, where it's like I feel like they're being ironic, yeah, but now it's kind of like it doesn't quite work that way because the yeah. next song is is just like this. It's a it's a party rock song and boner yep. boner rock anthem, and you put the best lyric in there when he talks about the naked ladies. Right? Yeah. A lot of a lot of the sampler. So I wrote down lyrics as I would, you know, when I take notes, just like this one's funny, this line's stupid. I'm just like, I'm gonna put it all in the sampler. People need to hear this, or they wouldn't believe that this is the shit that they're saying. Yeah. Um, also, just back to intro real quick. Oh yeah. I like the music behind intro. Yeah, yeah. Like that little like bass line thing that they do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know. Like this will be kind of a. Uh, recurring thing throughout the album is like I really like the music, but holy shit, these lyrics are so fucking stupid. So for, first um, off, about Fred Durst's lyrics, they never deeper than what they seem. They, well, he's saying that's all he's saying. There's nothing behind it at all, in my opinion. Yeah. But they are also bad. Yeah, yeah. Like they're not deep, and then he just says some of the stupidest stuff. This ain't fake uh, when the girls get naked. <laughs> yeah, it's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the biscuits limp when the night is over. Okay. Could, but, yeah, I mean, that one's pretty deep, though. I mean, rock the what bells, does he mean? psycho females. Which, uh-huh. uh huh. And this this song is basically just like, like he has, he starts to say something kind of like, like deep, like music is the key. It's the way we're set free. And then he starts talking about crazy shit, like uh, <laughs> tricking the neck. Of, Triggering the neck, popping nerve up in the, your brain. You're like, okay, like, like, I don't. Hmm. This is this is a like pump up, like we kick ass song. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're, we're Limp Biscuit. We kick ass. Get ready to party. Like, we guys. fucking rule. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's whatever. Yeah. But this brings us into the hit, the oh. big one, the one pretty much everybody knows. It's either this or Roland are the ones you know. Or, or but this, but people did know their cover of Faith by, you know, George Michael. Oh, yeah, Will. which George Michael yeah. hates. Yeah, and everyone was like, oh, they have a song that's not a cover? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's Nookie. It's Nookie. Come on. The one, you know, the one, the only, the loved. Um, I'm just I a sucker with the, my throat. Hey, like a chump, like a chump. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love the instrumental in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, so f- I will listen to the instrumental of this because it's on YouTube mm-hmm. of just the instrumental of this track. Uh, you know that it's, it's playing a four string guitar this whole time in this song. Oh, is he really? Yeah, West Portland's playing a four string guitar. That's kind of cool. We, we want to talk about West Portland for a second. He's a really interesting guitar player when he wants to be. Yeah. Um. So, like, a lot of the Limp Biscuit stuff, I've read interviews where it's, like, he will, like, deeply think about playing these guitar lines and work. Like, the musicians in this band are really good. The drummer is a classically, like, jazz-trained drummer. Yeah. Uh, the I think the, the bass player also has done some crazy cool musical stuff. Wes Borland... Yeah, he's just kind of way out there with how he approaches the guitar when he wants to. Oh, yeah. I've listened to his solo projects that are very bad. Um, <laughs> his big dumb face stuff? Uh, I think so, yeah. Mm. Where it's like, he's like, I want to make like a ween or Mr. Bungle kind of thing. And it's just like, dude, this is awful. 
the thing is about West Borland also is that I, you know, I used to read Guitar World back when uh-huh. I was when I was learning guitar because I thought it helped me, and it, I guess it helped a little bit. Um, but uh, he was he around this time he was getting seven string guitars for free, and for mm-hmm. the Chuck of Starfish and the went to this. He's like, well, I don't want a seven string guitar if I can't smoke on a six string guitar. So he stopped using them. On the oh, to this, yeah, um, because you know people thought it was cheating because you know it's heavier automatically. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sounds lower. It's heavier. Yeah, I mean part of it, but you know, there's something you said about playing aggressive as well. You know, the style you you, mm-hmm. you want to play aggressive. This doesn't sound heavier automatically. So, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, Nookie uh, about an ex girlfriend. Yeah, uh, who got around? I guess. Yeah, and. It, for a while, it makes it seem like he's um, feeling sad, you know, like about Lumiere, and then he's like, "Well, he doesn't. He doesn't know. Should he? Should he be feeling sad? Should he be feeling good?" But he's the laughing stock of the neighborhood, dude. I mean, yeah. So he's got a very public relationship, and so he puts on the front that he did it for the Nookie. Um, yeah, which, which, <laughs> I mean, they then rhyme with Cookie. Yeah, I mean, because what else can you say rhyme with Nookie? <laughs> um, do you think it's about? I mean, people are saying Nookie's pussy, but if you look up on dictionary, it's just like like kisses and hugs and shit like that. I think it's just like for. I think Fred Durst said it's for like the the sex, the sex part of the relationship. Okay. Um. But yeah, it's it, it's a problematic song. It is. <laughs> it's also just like the lyrics are bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Fred Durst really kind of offers his, uh, his personality on it of mm-hmm. like, he's he's open to just like talk shit on this person because she wronged him, and then people are like, hey, why don't you just like move on? And he's like, that's how the song ends. He's like, I'm not gonna get over it. I'm gonna continue <laughs> kind of being <laughs> an asshole yeah, and dwelling yeah. on it forever. It's it's ridiculous. And then it became their biggest song, and now he'll he'll never get over it. Well, you know, you could say it's their biggest song, but I would argue that it's the next one, Break Stuff. No, I think Roland is their biggest uh, song. Uh, what about My Generation? That one's pretty big, too. <laughs> their biggest non-cover song is Roland. Yeah, okay. You think that, um, oh, that's what I heard on that Universal Studios ride. They had the rock and rock, like, rock and, like, roller coaster, and you could pick the song that you're listening to as you're going through the roller coaster. And the only one oh, I, I knew the weird... Roland. Huh? I'd definitely pick Roland. Yeah, I picked Roland too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Break Stuff is the single for the fans. Yeah, and this was song that apparently caused the riot. <laughs> and yeah, stuck. Um, uh, you know, it's about being mad. Yeah, about being mad, saying that you know you you know it's one of those days you don't want. You know, everyone has one of the, one of those days where you don't want to wake up. Everything's fucked and everybody sucks. Everyone's felt like that. And it also felt like right now I'm dangerous, but um, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's got this nice kind of like two note heavy Dang. riff with like a, a cool hip hop beat. Yeah, again, music's really cool. Um, it's got some great lines like uh, if you're stuck up, you just lucked up. Next in line to get fucked up. Yeah, um, I I pack a chain. I hope you know I pack a chainsaw. Us man, dude, this is the um frat boy anthem, dude. <laughs> Like, like, I pack a chainsaw, yeah. I'll skin your ass raw. Which, if we're going to talk about good uses for a chainsaw, yeah. 
skinning someone's ass yeah seems like you could use something you could just drag a dude across the ground by holding onto his ankles yeah. and that would skin his ass equally as well i feel like a chainsaw you could much cut a, somebody in half yeah, but it's not very clean though it's a very very rough cut with a chainsaw you know yeah but he's just skinning he's not cutting yeah that's that's true he doesn't want to hurt them too bad he's supposed to make it so they can't sit down for a couple days i, I thought about mandy when i saw that line <laughs> i you know uh, oh yeah, yeah. Though when I listened to the song recently, I'm like, I'm thinking of Mandy. But um, <laughs> just mention Chainsaw, and you're like, oh, I know what that is. But if you're angry, this song is your anthem. I but honestly, I've never been in a straight fight with anyone. Anyone really? I mean, this would be a good. This would be a good fight song. It's yeah. got. I can imagine people going nuts, and they probably did. Oh, yeah. I don't know at what point the riot started happening. <laughs> If, but if I was I might like, just break your fucking face tonight, yeah. sounds like a good point. And then it gets into it, dude. Like if I were in the crowd, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here right now. Cause I can oh it. yeah, yeah. Oh, you if you know Limp Bizkit and you hear the down now, yeah, you're like, okay. oh fuck, yeah. Let me get, <laughs> I need to go. I, I need to get out of here and just watch from afar, sipping my beer while the crowd gets fucking rowdy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. It sets everything on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the song itself is a iconic song. It's got. It's even got um, Jonathan Davis and Eminem and I think Aaron Lewis in the video. It's this? got a lot of people in video, which um, two of those people you mentioned are featured. I think Scott Whalen said oh, it too. You know, here's the here's the list. Jonathan oh, Davis, the corn. Uh huh. Eminem and his daughter, Haley. Okay. Dre, Doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Alec Baldwin. Okay. Weird. Polly Shore. Makes sense. Makes sense. Derek Jeter. Makes sense to me. Okay. Roger Daltrey. Is that who's that? Is that like some? I think he's an actor. He's, he's, was he one of the Bonds? I, no. Well, I, I feel like he's some part of some other band we know of. Uh, I'll look it up. Okay, Bam Margera. Of course. Yeah, uh, Bucky Lasik, also a skater. Uh, yeah, I think he was on. I think he was on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Bucky Lasik, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Seth Green, uh, Striker, who is a a radio host for K Rock in L A. Oh, Roger Daltrey is the singer of The Who. That's not, that makes sense. Okay, uh, <laughs> Riley Hawk, who I don't know who that is. Aaron it's Tony Le- Hawk's son. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Aaron Lewis, who is uh, stained. Thanks for that, Fred. Um, Lily Aldridge. I don't know who that is. Richard Lewis, the comedian you know, from Hell. That guy. He's in this. Yeah. And Flea, <laughs> Flea of uh, Chili Peppers. One of the best. Yeah, like I said, Fred Durst made a lot of connections and then cashed in on them. Yeah. Because it's like, there's a lot of people, except maybe Aaron Lewis, who have kind of, uh, like, they're not looked on upon now in, like, a horrible way. <laughs> like, everybody everybody in that video is just like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm cool with that guy. Yeah, uh, he Paul- managed to avoid the creeps. Yeah, Paulie Shore is not looked at. Like, he's in this sort of reappraisal too, but he owns a comedy store in L.A., so people really respect him. You know, because mm-hmm. I think people just thought he was annoying back then. Yeah, buddy, on the weasel. Yeah. Not like he was playing a character or anything. <laughs> Let's go on to the next song. Uh, yeah, rearranged. rearranged. It kind of slows stuff down. It's a little more laid back. It it gives me like a what I got by Sublime vibe. Yeah, I get that too. Also, it's the video is kind of cool. They're drowning in milk. <laughs> I didn't. Well, I didn't watch any of the video. Okay, I, I just remember this from my when I was young uh, when MTV was playing a lot of videos during the afternoon. Uh-huh. Like, 
and I've seen this video. And um, it, the coolest thing about this song is the turntable solo. Yeah, uh, the having a, a turntablist in in here really does kind of. They do a lot more to kind of bridge the gap yeah. uh, between like the rap and the metal uh, that I feel like a lot of other bands kind of miss out on, where they typically just have a person rapping over metal music. But it's like they do really kind of mesh them. The lyrics in here aren't aren't that awful, but they're not really good at all. Like I said, when Fred Durst writes lyrics, he's saying exactly what he means. There's no misinterpretation of what he's saying. It's oh yeah. You know, there's no genius notes on them because there's nothing to really say about it. <laughs> oh, there are. Oh my god, I got a. There's one song on here. I'll I'll get into it a little bit later. That the genius notes were some of my favorite notes oh, I've read. Oh yeah, like here I'm looking at the intro. It says just think about it. it's like Fred just wants you to her to think about what he's saying. You're like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's a line in here, uh, but I don't think. Or, but you don't understand when I'm attempting to explain. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think Fred Durst is eloquent enough <laughs> to explain anything. Listen here, bitch. <laughs> that's what he's, yeah. he's going to say. Like, like that's as, about as eloquent as it's going to be. But uh, Exactly. Yeah, but, <laughs> um, but you do start to notice, at least by this point, every song on this album follows the same formula, formula the same structure mm-hmm. of... You get a verse, you get a chorus, you get a verse, you get a chorus, you get a verse, extended breakdown, final chorus. Yeah. And uh, every track on here, except the intro and outro or any sort of filler tracks, follows that. But they do have like interstitials, like, like that, that are. Yeah, like, but they're like, they're filler tracks. They just. Okay. <laughs> tacked onto the end of something. But the, the main part of the song, it, it all follows that, exa- that exact same structure. Okay. Uh, there is, though, on this track, a uh, bit of like a ending jam turntable solo, uh, which apparently because the music, uh, the the actual like band part of it were so good at music, like they had like a an improv streak, like they thought they were good improv oh, people. Yeah. Uh-huh. The final track of Three Dollar Bill Y'all is a sixteen minute improv track. Oh the producer was like, "That whips. It sucks. It's <laughs> awful. Don't let Limp Bizkit, uh improv." Uh, but they they apparently thought they were really good at it. Are we going to get into why you are so familiar with Limp Bizkit? Uh Oh, it's mostly just because uh, I had friends who were really into them, and their stuff came out when I was like 10, so but I thought it was like badass that I was the, listening to stuff with bad words. Isn't there something that they have a connection with that you have a deep connection with? They, they mentioned... Is there? There's a person... They mentioned it in- Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which actually I didn't know about until after I was out <laughs> okay. of liking Limp Biscuit. We'll get to that. Um, we will get to it later. Uh, I just think it's funny. I think their connection is really funny, which is why it shows up a, a lot. Um, but no, we will we will definitely get into it uh, a little later. But first, we're going to get into I'm Broke, which has my favorite run of lines on the whole album. <laughs> okay. I put it in the sampler, but it's... Now somebody's getting choked because uh, now it's time to pay the piper. Bums are the type of shit that's in a diaper. Don't make me have to call a sniper and wipe your brains off my windshield wiper, you dirty bum. So this song is about people asking Fred for money. He's fucking tired of it. Yeah, he's broke. <laughs> yeah, because he's giving it all his money. He's in the smoke now. He's broke. 
Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so this is the one that had the genius annotations that I love. Okay. Where it'd be like, he would say something like, stop asking me for money, and it would be highlighted, and it'd be like, Fred Durst doesn't want people to ask him for money anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be like, I'm broke. It'd be like, Fred Durst doesn't have any money. He says like, he- I couldn't tell if it was a joke. It had to have been a joke. But it was like this track specifically had the annotations that were like he would say the most obvious thing and then they would just change it yeah, like, slightly. For example, like here it says you said you pay me back, I'm broke for that you deserve a smacking for slacking. Here here's an annotation. You basically stole all money, you lied and said you pay me back, now I'm gonna kick your ass. Like what like like why did you need to add that? Like what what uh, what uh, I I mean, what the fuck? Why would you need to tell me what it means? I know what it means. Like Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but after kind of like the laid back, uh, rearranged, I'm broke is back to kind of heavier stuff. Yeah. And if I recall, um, Fred, when he does heavy stuff, he doesn't sound like bad at all. His rapping though is awful. Like, like the way he has like some sort of whiny, like, oh, you know, like, but yeah, that, man, that was a really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's, he sounds like kind of whiny when he raps, you know, but when he does the metal vocals, it's not bad. It sounds like yeah, it's not terrible. I did put a, a little bit in the uh, the thing uh, where it's like, oh, he actually kind of has a decent scream, yeah. I guess, until like he cuts it off or because he runs out of breath. But but, uh, but his his um rapping is like uh, I don't want to imitate it, but I just oh, like he has like a little a little a kind of baby like rap voice, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like he's trying to put on a voice, but the vo- yeah, the voice he's putting on is like kind of this weird whine whiny yeah thing oh. but hey you know it's you know it's him yeah you do um, it <laughs> and then this this track does end with one of those little interstitials of there's like a little like jam happening with like some answering machine messages yeah, yeah. that yeah. are it's like a dude threatening the band but it uh, it sounds fake as hell like they had to make up a situation where limp biscuit is a dangerous band that people hate but uh, i mean I forget to mention before break stuff happens there's an interstitial which so you hear sounds of them breaking stuff we forgot to mention that. oh yeah yeah which is their last. It really immerses you in the in the <laughs> atmosphere. It's a very atmospheric album. Yeah, I'm, uh, I do. Love, <laughs> I do love the the sample you put together. This is so perfect to show everything you need. I had so I. I it's just all of my favorite moments. Um, but the next track is "Nobody Like You," and it uh, where you do start to get some you get some features on this one. You get uh, Jonathan Davis from Corn and Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, Scott, rest in peace, Scott Weiland. Uh, I don't really think they were needed. Honestly, in this track, no. Yeah, but again, I, he's cashing in on his stuff. Like, you're like, oh, hey, Limp Biscuit's got uh, features from two, some of the biggest bands at the moment. Yeah, I'll listen to it. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I, Davis does stand out quite a bit. He's kind of doing his he's doing his corn thing yeah. where he's going crazy and super affecting his voice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the guitar in this one's kind of played like a, it's got like a mandolin vibe to it. Yeah. The, the, again, that's where Wes is showing his weird side when it comes to playing guitar. Cause he, cause you know, all those costumes he'd have, he made himself, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so he was, he was theatrical and he was, he's an interesting guitar player. Not bad at it, but just different. Um, I think he works better when he's thinking about mm-hmm. it. He thought, he thought about it a lot with Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Um, but I've listened to his side projects where he's like trying to like not be so much in his own head. Yeah. Like he, he said that the reason it took so long 
for a lot of Limp Biscuit albums to come out is because he'd have an idea and then he would have to like try to figure out how to play it and get it to sound like he put a lot of work into making it sound like this, like yeah. doing really cool, interesting things. Uh, so it's like, I think, I think he's better when he has time to think about it. Yeah. Uh, but when he doesn't, I do not like what he does. <laughs> uh, this song, like, like, like you say, he has connections, but I, I really, I don't, I could barely tell Scott Weiland's there and Jonathan mm-hmm. Davis. He's just saying things here and there. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, it's there are better features later on in the album. Um, but there is a part near the end where it's like all three of them, Fred Durr, Scott Weiland, and Jonathan Davis are all kind of singing and doing stuff at the chorus. And it kind of makes this, it does make a really kind of interesting cacophony of vocals. This that song is, worked out pretty well. is easily about nothing. <laughs> like, like <laughs> and it's not like nothing like a Mars Volta. Like, it's just like, it's just, you know, like, I won't let it go. Got reasons I'm not leaving. Fucked me real good. Like you're like okay, <laughs> you know, like like this. It's a song about nothing. It's and, a very surface level nothing yeah. track. But again, uh, all surface, all Fred Durst lyrics are surface level. There's no. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no. Drummer does really show off on this this song though. There's a little breakdown part where there's like a little drum solo. I feel um, like a, I feel like the drummer can go out in broad daylight and not have to be like, oh, you're in Limp Biscuit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone kind of hyper focuses on Fred Durst, which I feel like I, I don't know how I feel about bands that are like that. There's like Maroon Five. Yeah, where it's always Adam Levine, all the other dudes have hats on or something. <laughs> yeah, where it's like it would be great to be in one of these like multi million dollar uh bands and then not be recognized. Like you can go out and not have to deal with celebrity bullshit. Yeah. Fred Durst, and then just kind of rake in the cash. Fred Durst is known for being an asshole at this point. Hence, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavor Wire in the next one. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, like you said, that's him marketing himself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that'll bring us into "Don't Go Wandering," which um, is another like heavy song. It is. Yeah. yeah, they do. They are more on the metal side. Like they don't. They don't slow down too much. Yeah. There's only. Um, yeah, you, you would think of hearing some of the stuff that the, they're rap rock all the way, but. I would say most of the songs on these records are rock songs. Oh, for sure. Just rapping over it. Uh, this song originally had a demo version that had Serge Tankian on it. Which would be cool, right? Yeah, it, it kind of sucks. Uh, how do you uh, feel about Serge, though? He's all right. I think yeah. people... Uh, he's really good in some System of a Down stuff. Um, but he started to take himself too seriously. Yeah. And it's like, we like you for kind of like the weird stuff you do. And... <laughs> you kind of got it in your head that like, you're like actually a really good vocalist. And then you tried to make like more vocal music. I just, I, I can't, I can't get down too much. I think we can all get down with toxicity though. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Some of that good new metal. Yeah. The like tail end new metal when Deftones were getting big too. Like Deftones were, Mm -hmm. they're more groove metal. I would, I would, I would struggle to call Deftones new metal. Was you? See, I think that there's a there's a debate out there, and I think Limp Biscuit colors the debate too much. Oh yeah, is people will only call something new metal if it's from that like scene and stuff. If it sucks, <laughs> so, so oh, you're saying you're saying, like, you're saying new metal is a derogatory term for it? I I think that's how people have put it, or like 
it's a genre, but people are like, well, I can't like new metal because, you know, fucking uh, Limp Biscuits in there, Power Man 5000s in there, Static X. Those bands suck. But System of a Down, no, no, no. They're not new metal. Deftones, no, they're not new metal because they're good. Oh, gotcha. And it's like, I, I think uh, the big issue comes from like trying to place what new metal sounds like because it got made up as a genre. So people are like, Oh, it's like, it's like rap metal. And to be fair, corn and no biscuits sound nothing like, but they're still exactly. Yeah. But they're still kind of part of the same genre. And I think new metal works more as like a scene. Yeah. As opposed to like a genre. Yeah. Or it's like a movement of people who are all kind of like bouncing off of each other and collaborating. So corn's new metal, limp biscuits, new metal. I think system of downs, new metal. I think deftones are new metal. Orgy. Uh, I don't think I've heard Orgy. Uh, you you definitely like okay. I'm gonna say a little thing about Orgy. They did a cover of Blue Monday, pretty badass cover. Okay, it's, okay. I like Blue Monday a lot. Yeah, they have a pretty badass cover, and they were I remember at my school, you know, bangers or whatever, wearing um uh-huh. wearing Orgy shirts, and so they had one good record called Can or one record everyone knows. I'm not say it's good, but it's called Candy Ass. And then they went away and they came back and they. Like a couple years ago, they tried to do a Kickstarter and they asked for um, uh, $15,000 making the record. They didn't get, they got $1,000 for oh, the campaign. And, <laughs> so that shows how much people cared about them coming back. I was like, Yeah, exactly. It's like, you gotta be fucking embarrassed, dude. <laughs> but, um, hey. Awful. <laughs> but, but they were considering new metal, but uh, they sound, they were like an electronic sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, new metal and Biscuit do a whole wondering. Um, yeah, this one, they kind of expand their instrumental palette. It's got like some orchestra stuff in there, some strings. Yeah, I was like, yeah, strings looking, listen to strings in this. <laughs> yeah, I think Limp Biscuit or one of those new metal bands did the music for Mission Impossible 2. And this song sounds like the Mission Impossible 2 theme. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think that, I think that song's off of Chocolate Starfish, but I can't remember. Um, and, it, it's a little bit of a slower song and it feels like Fred Durst is like on the, uh, the cusp of becoming more vulnerable. And then he says something like, as for me, I'm stuck with my dick in my hand. It's like, he can't, <laughs> he can't stay like vulnerable or potentially lame for longer than, uh, you know, a couple lines before he has to be like, no, nah, uh, nope, I got to say something or people think I'm a pussy dick or something. Like he has to, he has to, toxic masculinity sort of thing going here. And it's about his ex-wife again, because that's what a lot of the songs are about here, just being mad at his ex-wife, you know? Yeah, he he got spurned. (laughs) I think there's definitely a vein of pretty severe misogyny showing up in the uh, Limp Biscuit fandom. (laughs) And I I think he definitely plays into it. Uh, But yeah, there's another... Part in this song, uh, that's where Fred Durst kind of gets his his new metal scream going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but you know, they kind of build up more like orchestral strings, which is something I didn't it's expect. Fine. It's I, whatever. I didn't expect to hear it. I mean, if you're gonna try to make this song more interesting, it helps, I guess, right? Yeah, I like the slower parts of this song. Like I said, it reminds me of the Mission Impossible Two theme, mm-hmm. which I, I think is an okay song as well. So. Then we get to 1999. Uh, right. Spelled with the number nine, uh-huh. the word teen, T-E-E-N spelled out, the number 90, and then the word nine. N-I-N-E. A very <laughs> 1999 thing to do. Yeah. And uh, honestly, uh, it's about the 
to come to the century, turning of the century. Uh, yeah, another very 1999 thing to do yeah. is uh, be in the trailer for Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really and it was. <laughs> and because uh, now you motherfuckers got a reason to jump. Uh, but um, this is like a party <laughs> song, kind of. But it's sort of like an nihilistic, like bring it on, the world's an end sort of thing. And he, yeah, it's kind of like a nice look at success, fame, and the future, which changes later on the same album. It's very inconsistent on how he feels about it but he's like we're here we're successful we're awesome and we're you know we're going to the fucking moon yeah apparently g-shock is a band brand of watches that for just warriors and he mentions it in this song Ah, you want to be down with the g-shock i'm like okay uh yeah brand brand placement product placement yeah um the this is kind of a weird out there but i don't even know if it's like a reference but it's how it reminded me is there is uh, the guitar part or the music part during like the rapping. Yeah. Reminds me of one of the tracks from like the classic Doom game. <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to track it down, but it sounds very similar. Um, it's got <laughs> the line. <laughs> Fuck the glam rock. <laughs> asked out like Ken Shamrock. MCs detest me. Want to chest to chest me? I don't want any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a weird, but uh, I, I remember chest to chest, and you meet chest, and people yell mad and you go to the face, like, and people are like, oh, they're gonna fight, but um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember. I mean, I was too young, so I, I don't know if this shit sounded cheesy and corny back then, or if it's just a, such a product of its time that like I'm listening to it now with. 2021 ears going like oh, I don't know man this is this is really dumb and corny the way he's saying things Which but, a, but the weird thing is I found this song kind of boring oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I I like the slower parts but I think that's mostly because it sounds like doom to me and I can just go play <laughs> doom uh, but it also ends it gets it does get heavier near the end mm-hmm. um, and then it kind of ends on a weird little sample but yeah, it was 1999, kind of an interesting, mm-hmm. I don't know, pre-Y2K song. And then we get to uh, an actual hip-hop song, the only hip-hop song on the record, and Together Now. Um, yeah. And it's got... Uh, which has uh, a feature yeah. from Method Man. Yeah. Uh, and who the fuck doesn't nice like Method Man? Yeah. From, yeah. You get a nice visit from Homophobia. Yeah. That one's pretty... <laughs> yeah, this is... This is like the only or one of the only like straight up rap songs on here. But man, what a just bad fucking idea of yeah. getting someone who's good at rapping to go up with Fred Durst. And it's like you really get like, oh, no, Fred Durst fucking sucks at this. Yeah, it, you get this badass uh, MC. And then again, there's home field. But, but, but if you look close, there's home field all throughout this record. I mean... It's a little, it's a little, I mean, not a little, it's cringe, cringy big time. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. This, I mean, this one, this one has a straight up slur on it. Yeah. Which is like, oh, shut the fuck up. But um, there's yeah. that, there's that, I've heard that, like I've heard people sing that to themselves. Shut, shut the fuck up. That sort of thing. It is catchy. It's, it's got a very catchy. Um, I think the whole thing's pretty catchy. It's a good, a pretty good rap song. Um, God, but it's got. <laughs> Cause all your shit's whack. Cause doo doo is doo doo. 
and the length B I Z B I Z K I T. You know, spelling it out. <laughs> it ain't easy being greasy in a world of cleanliness. Right? What the fuck? Right? Um, <laughs> you know, all the, yeah, we gone. Peace. Rock the house. Bring it on. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but it's so weird. Starting with um, like a couple tracks back, all of a sudden, all the songs have these weird like mini outros. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like why? Why is this happening? Yeah, a lot of a lot of this record is why is this happening? Um, <laughs> why is it almost an hour long? <laughs> so, if you had to pick your favorite member of Wu Tang, who would it be? Uh, I'm probably an ODB guy. Yeah, I'm a um, I'm a guy. Riz is great. Yeah, I mean he he I, I think he's done some interesting stuff. He he actually also he's has a movie director. So is Durst. <laughs> Yeah, true. But <laughs> people seem people seem to like the RZA movies. Okay, fair enough. There was uh, I'm trying to. Remember, I think I saw a Fred Durst movie. Um, I think the Education of Charlie Banks. That's what I saw. Oh, he did that one. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Bad movies. It's nothing you say like this is a director. It's just a movie that's been made. But it's yeah. Did you watch? You didn't watch the John Travolta one? Man, I heard it was awful. I, it looks so bad. The fan or something. Yeah, something along those lines. To do my work was really excited to hear it. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, John Travolta is being this guy." I'm like, "Didn't Fred Durst direct it?" He's like, "I don't know who that is." I was like, How do you not know who that is? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, a older guy, older fella who's a, you know, he's a John Travolta fan. I'm actually trying to see what else he's done because I don't know how you go from being Fred Durst to being a movie director. Like, how does that happen? He was like, you, you know what? make a shitload of money with your rap metal band, and it's, then you can do whatever the fuck you oh, want. You, you'll be like. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll direct this movie. After I fund it. <laughs> like, I'll fund, yeah. I'll fund this movie. It's like, I think he has his own production studio to fund his own projects. But then, like I said, he also made all those connections, so he can just cash uh, in on yeah. them at any time. Yeah, that's true. So what he's directed, because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of music videos. The movie we're talking about with John Fultz is The Fanatic. The um, Fanatic, that's yeah. right. He directed The Long Shots, which is that movie with Ice Cube. And uh, and uh, he's like a he's like a uh, a football coach, right? He's trying to. It's like a kids' movie. That sounds right. Yeah. Um. What else did he direct? Um. A bunch of shorts, which is kind of crazy that he's trying to make it sort of. Um, he's trying to make him legit, even. Uh, but yeah, he of course directed all his music videos. <laughs> God damn. What of course. Yeah, I, I don't know. Puddle of Mud. He's also brought that into the world, so thanks a lot for that, Fred. We really need that. <laughs> and, yeah, The Education of Charlie Banks. He hasn't done anything since The Fanatic, which was critically reviled, you know? Oh, yeah, so, I think everyone hated it. Yeah. But it's kind of becoming one of the newer, like, so bad it's good movies. Yeah. Because once it came out, it, like, a bunch of movie reviewers just, like, had to do their own reactions and reviews of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you, you get the fun part of that. Um, yeah, well, let's move on to trust. With yeah, huh? Um, yeah, you can't you can't trust backstabbers. This is a this is it's got a, kind of like a, a a pretty good riff in this song, honestly. Like the, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, the song pretty rocks. And, I don't think it. This is why it's so hard to talk about Limp Bizkit is because the music, the actual music part, I think is really good, but it's like almost like a a Pavlovian response to like not want to say anything good about Limp Biscuit, 
So it's like, oh, the music's good, but then at the same time, you're just like, Ugh. but, the, but the, I can't say it. I can't bring myself to say it's good. But but Fred's <laughs> Fred's vocals in it are pretty good. They're pretty good. They're, the, he's doing more of like a yell rapping yeah, yeah, on this one. Yeah, it's he's kind of doing he's doing the metal voice, and it's not bad. <laughs> it's actually. Uh, you got this like squealy pterodactyl guitar. In yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it does it does something really interesting where the music change the way they do the music changes for verse three. Yeah, the big big step down like 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 there was a big stop in it like it was sort of like it gets quiet and loud. They do it. Yeah, and then Fred Durst drops. Uh, you think you're all that and then some. <laughs> well, you're not. Dumb diddy dumb. Which like. <laughs> I'm too Iconic, fucking good you know? and fucking proud. I'm gonna yeah. show you how bad her speak. Too fucking good and fucking proud. <laughs> <laughs> so catchy. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, then, yeah, that's trust is pretty fun. <laughs> uh, then we get to no sex, which, which is is really about having too much sex. Exactly. <laughs> I guess no, maybe no sex is the goal. Yeah, and this is not um, near as good as. Adidas by Corn and all. No, yeah. no, not, <laughs> not near as good. But it's about a relationship based only on sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but it definitely feels like an "I have definitely had sex" song, <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's I've, like, no, no, I've had sex. Yeah. I know what a boob feels <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like a it's like a bag of sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's this is practically a ballad for Limp Biscuit. A yeah. lot more, a lot more singing on it. Uh, the guitar's got this weird kind of like floppy sound to it. It's kind of um, cool, yeah. I think it's cool. Uh, very interesting pick for a song about sex because it immediately draws imagery to you know a floppy wiener. <laughs> I also think it's weird that Anna Luce just shows up in it. <laughs> like like, Which, like <laughs> if you're gonna yeah, known asshole Aaron Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Of of stained and now a country music guy yeah. who's aligning himself with you know the likes of Trapped and Trump and, uh, and part of part, know, and part of System of Down the drummer uh, gets on their Twitter and then they're like no 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 but he gets on there anyway you know? yeah. Uh, but yeah which he adds nothing to the song but also if you're gonna be featured on a song would you want to be featured on a song where like uh, Fred Durst goes horny on Maine. <laughs> I wouldn't. It's like if I was Aaron Lewis, if I was anybody, I'd be like, please, any other song that doesn't have it's my ass and your perfume when he's talking about things that make him horny. And it's like, is it the smell of <laughs> your dirty ass mixed with perfume that you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, that gets me off. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that just kind of makes me kind of nauseous, man. Well, you'll nauseous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I cannot think of anything. Less horny, yeah. Than ass and perfume mixed together, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the opposite of an aphrodisiac? <sighs> Fred Durst's ass and somebody's perfume. Yeah, that, that that's gonna turn me off big time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we get into "Show Me What You Got," which is um, it's just a, like, not a Rick, not a Rick and Morty reference, or, or Jay Z reference, or a Lil Wayne reference, <laughs> um, because. Yeah. This song is just. But it's a uh, it's a thank you song of sorts to. It's weird to have everybody. an acceptance speech song like and it's not even the it's not even the last song on this. <laughs> it's so weird. So there's so many weird things about this album where this uh, so they got big and they got famous 
kind of like off of this album. Yeah, yeah. Like people know Three Dollar Bill, y'all, but it it wasn't really like that big. But it got them enough to get you know have Significant Other come out. But like Significant Other is the thing that like really got them famous. So it's weird to have a thank you song. Yeah. Uh, weird to have a lot of stuff in there about like fortune and fame, even though like that came after the song was recorded. And then we'll get to a song. Um, oh, after this one, that is like the polar opposite uh, where they get into like being jaded by fame. And it's like, you're not famous yeah. yet. What, what makes it crazy about this song is he wants to all the city, but he decides to rhyme child molester with Worcester. And why the yeah. fuck would you do that? You know, like, Oh my God. So, he pre- he pretty much just like mentions every city. Those are the lyrics. They're all over the place. They're meandering. And so people um, in this is like he's talking about my city. You know, I live in Philly. He's talking about Philly. I live in Kansas City, which I actually do. Yeah. So are you part of the Limp Biscuit Committee I'm of not. Kansas City? I'm definitely not. <laughs> well, now you need to be. Um, yeah. He said he does say he said I met a child molester in Worcester, and it's like, is that a good thing? Yeah. Like, why are you putting it in a song? Like, did you need to... What What came first? This is a real chicken or the egg situation. Did he write the lyric about the child molester? Or did he write... Did he need to say something about Worcester? But no, he's keeping it real worldwide, baby. <laughs> so, this song he's is... Fucking, really, you're fucking proud. Yeah, this record... This song's fucking stupid. Um, it's and it, awful. The rap parts are so aimless. And he talks about... Uh, but here, he drops names... Uh, Terry Date, ton of names. Terry Date, who's a um, Corey D, who I don't know who that is. Um, he talks about Scott Weiland, the Melody Man, Method Man, Slim Shady, uh, Stained, uh, and then your best, uh, your best buddy, Les Claypool. <laughs> he mentions Les Claypool, um, which Primus, my favorite band, mm-hmm. uh, they are new metal. They, um, but but they did kind of go on a lot of tours and stuff like that together. Yeah. Um, but. Primus did try to get into the new metal thing. Yeah. Uh, and released their second worst album, Anti Pop, <laughs> which Fred Durst produced like half of that album. Oh, no. <laughs> and it has all of the issues I have with this, like features that don't make sense, uh, production that focuses on the wrong things, because the music on Anti Pop is really good but they want to fuck around with samples. They want to put the vocals very high up so you can't hear what's happening to the cool bass stuff. They, I don't know, it. it's awful. Uh, I don't like Primus's anti-pop because of the influence of Fred Durst and New Metal. So they fucked it up, basically, um, is what you're saying. They did, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I 100% think that if that album just kind of had a nice stripped-down uh, approach and uh, production, mm-hmm. it would be amazing it'd be a great album because it has one of my favorite primus songs as a hidden track recorded in that style called the heckler <laughs> it's like at the end of the final track uh and it's like why doesn't the whole album sound like this because it <laughs> sounds great um but this track uh i've already forgotten the name show me what you got fred durst does start asking some like some of the real questions yeah real questions who's hot and who's not <laughs> right i'm i mean are you i'm not Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's not? <laughs> I, I remember listening to this and just shaking my head. Like, <laughs> it's, it is certainly one of the worst tracks on the album. Yeah. Because it's aimless. Yeah. So you, you don't even get, I feel like you don't even really get a lot of like the fun, stupid Fred Durst things. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's ridiculous. 
It's ridiculous. And then it, it does, it's similar to the vibe of uh, no sex of like, I've definitely had sex. This is the like, <laughs> no, no, no. I know people like, I'm, I'm a, cool. Look at all these kind people of a I know. big deal. I'm I've kidding. been everywhere and here's all the famous people. I know he's the dude in the group who's just like name dropping people. You're like, here's like, shut up. Yeah, Nobody cares. Yeah. <sighs> I don't care that, you know, Les Claypool. Did you bring him to the party? No. Yeah. Then shut up about yeah. him. Where's Les? I don't see him, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're useless to me then. Yeah. What's good. To the next and one? then the, the final like real track of the album, lesson a lesson learned. learned, which again, the context of this is they are not super famous yet, no. and he's writing about the darker side of fame. Yeah, and you're like and how he's already jaded by it. It's like, dude, you haven't even released Roland yet. Yeah. You haven't released Chocolate Starfish. Like, you're not even at the peak yet, and you're already tired. Nuki's not out yet, dude. And you're writing the song. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's like, how are you already disillusioned? Yeah, I, it was a weird song. I'm like, I'm like, are they just are they prophesizing their their rise to stardom? Like. I got maybe he can see the future. Who knows? Oh, maybe he does. I mean, fuck, dude. He, he got a tarot reading before the A <laughs> album was recorded, and he was like, "Oh, fuck." Yeah, we're you guys are gonna blow up. <laughs> yeah, but this one, this is it not being an outro track. Feels like the final track of an album, and then yeah. they had to tack the outro on. Um, but there's a point in this where the music drops out, and it's just Fred Durst singing. And you're like, why? And it is awful. <laughs> why? Fenderst is not a good singer. No. Like, you do this for somebody who knows what they're singing. I'm starting to think about, you know, did that song Behind Blue Eyes, they covered that song, the Who song? Yeah. And now awful. I know why. Roger Daltrey probably gave him his blessing to cover that oh, song. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and my generation? Yeah, maybe. Well, it's a different who song. Who knows? But he won't give a fuck <laughs> until you give a fuck about me and my generation. Uh, but, um, yeah. But uh, then... Then we get into like the actual last track, the outro, which is just the same thing as the intro, but it, with expanded lyrics. Big balls um, of steel. <laughs> my favorite line: uh, "We have balls of steel, but don't kick us in the nuts, though." And if you go to on Spotify, you get Matt Penfield, that MTV VJ, just going on a rant about how it's so weird. They they talk themselves up. They one of the things like they they get mad at the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. It's like, you wanted the best, you got the best. Like, if you want something different, go listen to a fucking Backstreet Boys. Yeah, I was, I was like, I was there's this so, dumb I was thinking macho-ness like, to this. Yeah, I mean, that that's something a child would do, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, and all the music sounds the same, nothing sounds like, when basically I'm like, but that's not the best, man. You gotta chill out. Yeah. Yeah, the rant talking about how cool Limp Biscuit is and how lame everyone else yeah. is. Um. So this was, the rant part, is supposed to be part of the outro. Okay. Um, and then there's another thing that we did listen to. But it's not on Spotify. Um, it's not on Spotify. It's called From the Mind of Less. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, which it, it's actually weirdly hard to find. Yeah, yeah, um, on YouTube. It's also weird on YouTube because they're, the demo version and the album version are floating around in equal measure. Yeah. Uh, they're both bad. Mm-hmm. So what the original plan was, was very similar to the Mike Pinfield thing. It's like Les Claypool wrote this whole thing, kind of, you know, like, almost like a speech, like really talking up Limp Biscuit and all that stuff. And then they got him really high. And then he just kind of went in and made like noises and then just like said things. And then they put some awful music behind it. And um, that was from the mind of Les is like somewhere out there. He's probably said something interesting. I don't even know if he said stuff about Limp Bizkit or if he just said 
like he was like philosophizing <laughs> or something. It's weird. Uh, it's a weird track to end on because you're like, I, I guess you're supposed to feel funny. Yeah, but I mean, this this is not a record. I guess you'd listen to 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 get through demons. I don't. I don't know. This I is, don't know. But it's the, a, like I said, the reason I listen to this is because it's like watching a bad movie where it's just like, I stand back and I just fucking laugh at it for the wolves. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's yeah. I don't know. So that's, I, that's one biscuit. That's one biscuit. Significant <laughs> other. You find Spotify if you want to hear it. Um, but I think we're ready to pick our next topic. Our next thing. Yeah. Those, those were our guilty pleasures. Yeah. We feel, we feel guilty, but pleased at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I'm still just struggling to feel guilty, but I can see our record, but I sometimes I get my mouth shut when people are like, "Yeah, my cool, cool romance, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, da da." But sure. I'm <laughs> my hat out and we'll shake it around. Okay. New theme. New theme. New theme. Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. This will be interesting. Yeah. Very, very topical. I got mine picked out already. I think <laughs> I might have. I might. I might have an idea. I'm gonna look through a little bit, but. Yeah. That that was guilty pleasure episode thirty six. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, thirty six, right? And then we get those two mini episodes. But episode thirty six, what's shit going on, pal? Well, uh, me and a friend of mine do the music for this podcast. Uh, so if you like the intro and the outro, uh, not the music in between that we listen to, but hey, maybe someday. <laughs> um, feel free to check us out. We've got two EPs record album things on Spotify uh, not Spotify, Bandcamp Yeah, uh, they're pay what you want which includes nothing so if you want to download them for free you can um, and yeah check us out smell.bandcamp.com uh, yeah give us a listen yeah. what do you got going on? I do a weekly movie podcast called movies that don't suck and some that do uh, it's new, too new or newish movies you do every week with my buddy Neil that's weekly comes out Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, never Wednesday because, but I get lazy, you know, and editing <laughs> it. But yeah, that's every week. And um, I think that's all I got going on right now. Uh, cool. Yeah. Well, if you've still got time after listening to this, we've got our featured artist after this outro. Yeah, Peter McDermott. Uh, Peter McDermott. Uh, yeah, camera, the camera, that song. Um, but uh, the camera eye. Yeah, the camera eye. And uh, yeah, so uh, guys, thanks for listening. I'm Chris. I'm Ryan. And that was record night. See you next time.
pretty when it's at your feet Not a care in the world, I guess it's hard to be When you're on top and the king of everything And the women lining up just waiting for the ring But what did I think would happen to me With plastic smiles Curse, I have a feeling 